Hello and welcome back to the New Look Bottom Bins podcast. This is the first in our sort of shorter episodes. Um, if you haven't already heard why we're going to be doing these short episodes, please go and check out our last episode where we broke down one thing that we had learned from every Premier League team um, in the early portion of the season. So please go and check that out because that will be sort of the last traditional podcast episode for a while. Um, so today's topic, we thought we would look at the biggest game over the weekend, the North London Derby. Now, what a game of football, it has to be said. The the North London Derby is, is always a fixture that even if you don't support Arsenal or Spurs, it's one that you always want to tune in for because it's normally spicy. There's normally big tackles, some good goals, and it delivered in all of those aspects. Connor, look, Spurs, in my opinion, deservedly got something out of the game. What way did you find it yourself then? Yeah, I think I think overall Spurs did play well enough to get a draw. I thought they started very poorly, um, and they went one 0 down. Obviously, Romero OG, uh, but I think the game the game the game changed when Hezzy's just miss. Like he's straight through and he balloons it, and I think that is what we're hearing all week. Arsenal are missing a top striker, a clinical striker that will put the ball in the back of the net. Um, but from then on, it, the game just changed. It's like Spurs woke up. And they started playing with such confidence. And Madison was brilliant, got two assists. And I thought his son was unbelievable, especially in that central position. He was outstanding. And seeing Ange coming out saying, you know, how much of a leader he's been and just what a player he is. And we're starting to see the confidence back after a poor season last year. But there was always a player there. And that is what Ange has brought to the team. Um, confidence. Even at the Emirates, they're playing some brilliant, brilliant football, especially in the second half. And I think... Obviously, we'll probably talk about the penalty, but a lot of Spurs sides in the past would have crumbled, I think, after going 2-1 down to that penalty and just giving up and went 3-1 down and got beaten. But this side got straight back in it. And obviously, Jorginho made the mistake, but they took their chance 2-2. And from then on, it was pretty even. And I think I think a draw was a, good, a fair result, but it, it was a really, really good game of football. Yeah, I completely agree, Connor. Completely agree. I mean, it is interesting because I think that the topic that we should talk about the most really is, as you've already pointed out, the strikers from both teams. You know, Son is a traditional winger, um, but playing in this central position just seems to have unlocked something different within him. That we, I mean, we all knew Son was a wonderful striker of the ball, a great finisher, but now that he's making the runs from centra- centrally as opposed to making the runs on the left, you can definitely see th- that impact and that relationship forming between Madison and Son already. Madison has just proven to be one of the signings of the season already. He is so, so good. So, so, so good. Um, but it is interesting, Connor. I mean, you did raise the point there about Gabriel Jesus, you know, and it was and is the talking point that has left this game. You know, a lot of Arsenal fans, especially match-going Arsenal fans, have kind of voiced their opinions saying that, you know, Enkedia and Jesus aren't really the type of striker that the club needs. Now, look, I'm going to go against the grain here, to be completely honest. I think Jesus is a fantastic player. I think Enkedia is a good striker too. Um, I know Jesus doesn't score at the same rate as other Premier League strikers, but you know Arsenal are complaining about, or sorry, Arsenal fans are complaining about not having the the Haaland type striker. But you know, there's there's aspects of Haaland's game that he can't do as well as Jesus does. I think back to goal, Jesus is one of the best strikers in, in, in world football, to be honest. His ability to hold up a ball and get his wingers involved in the play. It's unfortunate that Trossard's injured and Martinelli's injured um, for Arsenal, but I mean, 
I think Jesus brings qualities to to Arsenal's team that you know other strikers wouldn't necessarily bring, and I do think that he is the type of striker that unlocks the best of Bukayo Saka, the best of Martinelli, the best of of Trossard. Would what what would your take be on on the striker situation in particular, Connor? See, the thing about it is with Hesse, and I've always said about him, he is a top player. There's no doubt about it. His touch, his control, as you said, bringing players into play, unbelievable. Um, it's just always been his finishing. Uh, even at City, he, he would miss chances on a consistent basis. And we've seen with City, they've went and got Holland and they've won the Champions League, and they knew what they were missing. And I feel with Arsenal, it's the same. The thing about it is, we're, if you did get a top striker in there, where would Jesus play? Because Jesus is a good player. Um Martinelli and, and uh, Trossard, big misses. I totally, totally agree with you. I thought Trossard was brilliant when he came on against Everton. And Martinelli's a top, top player. If they would have been playing, I think, you know, Arsenal would have created a bit more. But I think Arsenal are just missing that out-and-out striker, that Haaland, you know, to, to get them over the line. But the problem is, where are you going to get them? Where are you going to get a striker like that? They're talking about Tony, but I'm not too sure about that because he's going to cost a lot of money. Um, But... I get, I get what you're saying about Jesus. I think he is a top player, and I'm not disregarding any of his. Like, even if you watch him, I remember like games last year. He was on, I think he was a huge miss for them last year when he got injured. He was out for three or four months. Um, but they're just missing. And Kedia, I heard somebody said, and I would agree with him. He is a good striker, but he's more like a mid-table striker than a than a top Premier League striker. Because even in that game, he he didn't really offer enough for me, and he could easily have been sent off as well. Um. But with Arsenal, I think to make the next level, they're going to need to get an out-and-out striker. Look, and that is the biggest debate raging around Arsenal at the minute. I mean, in our previous episode, when we talked about you know the the inversion of fullbacks and how that played into the game, you could see Arteta almost you know trying to revert back to last season's style of play, where you know Havertz was dropped to the bench and we had a midfield that was probably more traditional for an Arsenal side as such. I mean, it didn't help that Declan Rice went off injured, of course. Um, I, I do think when Rice come off, the game did sway in Spurs' favour a bit, um, showing already just how much of an impact he has made on on Arteta's Arsenal side. Um, but I just feel, Connor, and I, look, I don't know if you would agree with me, but I just feel Arsenal already this season are like a half step slower and maybe a little bit worse than they were last season um their form towards the back end of last season as we know wasn't great and i even though they do have points on the board i don't think arsenal have particularly set the world alight and you know there was a lot of talk in the media prior to the beginning of the season that you know would arsenal dip off would they be as good as they were last season and i think arguably already after six or seven games you could probably make the case that they might struggle to, you know, finish second in the league or, or challenge Man City for the title, especially when you consider how well City are playing at the minute. Like, what what would your take be on it so far? How have you viewed Arsenal overall this season? I would agree. And I have a few mates that are Arsenal fans, and they've said the same. I think their performances this year have been below standard. Um, Even looking at the United game, they were lucky enough to win that game. You look at the Fulham game, the drop points, Fulham were down to 10 men. The Tottenham game, you know, even Everton 1-0, it was tight. Uh. They do seem to be a step behind. I think Declan Rice going off, I think I totally agree with your point there, um, was a huge turning point in the game. Jorginho coming on just isn't the same player. He's just not up to that standard. Uh, I thought Party actually would have, was a big miss there because he would have came on, probably filled that role. Um, and Basuma was brilliant as well for Spurs. But yeah, I would agree. I think they are just a step off. 
Um, I I said it for the last few weeks. I think Liverpool could be City's challengers. Um, especially at home, Liverpool are just unbelievable. They just keep getting wins. Uh, even at the weekend there, they won again. Arsenal, like, they give you chances and they make mistakes. I've seen a video earlier of the mistakes they've made since last season. There's a lot of them and they're very poor mistakes. Like, even that uh, second goal for Spurs was just, just an error on Jorginho's part where he had men open and he just panicked and Madison got the ball off him and they scored. So, I would agree, even though it's only six games into the season, there's still a long, long way to go. I think Arsenal will not will not win the title. And you look at last season, they had such a big lead and they basically collapsed. So I thought they needed another start like that. And with City, there's so much pressure because they just keep winning six in a row and just playing brilliant football. So for me, I, I would agree with you. I think Arsenal are just a step behind last year, which is strange because I think Declan Rice has improved the team, but they still have that error in them. They'll just give you, like when you watch Arsenal, even when United were playing them, we weren't playing that well, but we knew we were, we're gonna, we'll get a chance here. And we almost won the game. Yeah. That's true. That's true. Um, so switching it, I mean, to to Spurs then, um, you know, I, I think we have to give them a lot of credit um, in this game. You know, look, they were unlucky to, to, to go down. I, I, I don't want to say a calamitous own goal, but I mean, it, it didn't look great. Um, but Madison really dragged them back into the game. And the thing that I've been most impressed with about Spurs over, over, over these first sort of six games and the small sample size that we have already is... The revolution in midfield. Um, you have Saar, this young kid who was sort of tossed aside last season, had a couple of good performances under Conte, but didn't really look like he was cut out for the Premier League. And, you know, his performances this season have been exceptional. Then you have Basuma, again, another guy who was probably tossed aside after last season. And really, I'd say a lot of Spurs fans thought, you know, this was a guy that wasn't going to play a lot of football this season. And, and he's come in and he, he looks like the Basuma at Brighton, um, dr- the driving force in midfield, the ability to retain possession, the ability to win the ball back as well, which is so, so important um, for, for a side like Spurs and for the way that they want to play, particularly that expansive football, win the ball in the final third, create chances. And then you have Madison in front of them who, look, I I think at, at 35 or 40 million pounds, I don't think you're going to find a better pickup in the 10 position than the Madison. And he has really stepped up his game. I mean, at Leicester, there were periods where we thought, you know, Madison was, was one of the better players in the league. And I think from his went to Spurs and, and that level shift has gone up. He, he just looks absolutely phenomenal so far this season. Um, So overall then, Connor, look, like we said at, during last week's episode, it is a small sample size, but you can already see the makings of a really good side in, in Spurs. Yeah, I've all I have been not a hater of Spurs, but I've been kind of you know taking a step back because I want to see more. And again, they'll have a tough match I think this weekend against Liverpool. But I have to say I was impressed. And Basuma, I didn't see this kind of player to be honest. I didn't see how good he is on the ball. I didn't. I knew he was good defensively, but I didn't know he was as good on the ball. But Ange just brought that confidence. And I seen he he said um, Romero. Uh, Basuma, Madison and Son, they were his four key players that he wanted to improve and he's improved them all and I know Romero didn't have his best game, give away the penalty and a per own goal but uh, he has had a decent start to the season and all them players have been star players and as you said, Saar, who looked a bit lost last year, um, has stood up as well and I think Spurs are going to be an exciting team um, if there's going to be five places for the Champions League, I think they'll be right in there with a shout, uh, if you're a Spurs fan, you're excited, um, Although it's a small sample size, 
to go to the Emirates and get a point, a place you haven't haven't won there since twenty ten, and they've taken taken a few bad hidings there. So, you know, if you're a Spurs fan, could be good times ahead. Well, the 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 best stat I seen over the weekend was that Postacoglu away at the Emirates now has more points than Mourinho, Conte, and somebody else was it? Pa- I can't remember. It was another Spurs manager anyway, but combined. Um, just showing that, you know, it it does show it was good in the sense that Spurs went and got a manager like Postacoglu who actually fit the values of the football club as opposed to going out and trying to get that big name. And I think already for Spurs that that is starting to pay off. And that's something that, you know, this team can build around. Ange seems to be a really, really good character. He's very good in the media. You know, a lot of people seem to already be on the Ange bandwagon already. Um and and it can only be positive for Spurs to keep moving in this direction. Connor, obviously, you know, they lost Harry Kane in the summer and he's hit the ground running at Bayern. Um, does it make you wonder that if, you know, Kane was still a part of the Spurs side, where would they be? Where could they go if they still had the likes of Harry Kane? Or do you think that with Kane's departure, maybe comes a new dynamic within the team? It's a hard one to say because I think players have stood up, but I think under Ange, Kane would have just thrived as well, and Ange would have played a certain the, the same style. And I think Kane obviously made the choice he made to go and play Champions League football, but he's probably thinking, why didn't we get this guy in like three years ago? You know, instead of as you said there, Mourinho, Conte, very negative football. You know, Poch had played that exciting football, and that kind of suited Spurs. Spurs fans kind of were like, you know, they were. I know they weren't winning, but they winning trophies, but they were playing good football. And they were they were they were one of the teams you watched every week, even as a neutral fan. You were watching Spurs. So I think he's brought that exciting football back. I think Kane would have thrived. He'd thrive anywhere. We're seeing what he's doing with Bayern Munich. Um so for me, if they had Kane, I don't think they would have been title contenders this year, but with the way they're playing and even another summer, they could have could have challenged next year. Yeah, it is. It is one of those hypotheticals that definitely would have been would have been interesting to see how that one would have worked out. But look, I think Connor to to finish up this uh, this episode, I think we'll have to talk about the penalty. And and again, I feel like one of the recurrent themes on the Bottom Bins podcast is at some stage we have to get a good rant about VAR. And I think this is the the perfect example here. You know, undoubtedly one of the biggest games in the Premier League, and we have a an an incident where. Look, I it's this this does baffle me. It really, really does because, and not to bring it back to Man United, but I mean, the the, the incident where Garnacho had kicks the ball and Romero puts his hand up. It it's the it's the same thing. This is the exact same incident, only this time penalty awarded. And I'm kind of looking at it and I'm going, look, I could understand the penalty being awarded, but. We need a wee bit more consistency with these types of things. We we like if that's a handball, it needs to be made clear that that's a handball, and then the league needs to stick to that rule. The refs need to enforce that rule because it's the same scenario but a different outcome. And really, Connor, I think too many times during the points of a season, we literally sit here and go, "Oh, well, that incident's the same as that one, but it's another decision. It's the reverse decision." So, look, what was your take on it? Was it a penalty? And if so, do, do you think there is anything realistically can be done this season to help repair the reputation of VAR? I do think it was a penalty, but then I also thought the United one 
was a penalty too with Romero. Same guy, handball. Um, I think it's just, a, as you said, it's inconsistency. It's just a nightmare. In Europe, you know what's going to be a penalty or not. Even the one United had against Bayern, I knew that was going to be a penalty. In the Premier League, you just don't know would that have been a penalty or not. They just got to they got to lay the law down, and they just got to say what is what isn't a penalty. That is a problem with VAR. It's just been inconsistency. There's boys getting sent off for certain tackles, you know, even in the Chelsea game. That and then there's worse tackles going on, you know, and they're not giving red cards. It's just no consistency. If they can bring in a rule and say this is what it is, you know, and Romero could have been sent off. I've seen another one. If Basuma wasn't on the line, he'd have got sent off, which would have been criminal. Like because I don't know, I don't think he actually meant it. It's kind of just accidental. I think it is a penalty. Um, but it's just consistency with VAR, and we've said that from the very start in this podcast. And I don't know when they're going to change it because they brought um hard web in, and they're still making the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah, they are. They are, and it's it is unfortunate because it is the biggest league in the world. It's the most watched league in the world. It, it does have the best teams, the best players, the best managers, and the standard of officiating doesn't quite match the expectation of the best league in the world and and that is disappointing to be honest well that's where we're going to wrap it up for this episode and um, please keep a lookout we are going to have a bit more of an in-depth analysis on chelsea coming out that'll be out tomorrow and then on friday we begin our new series called this week in football where we're just gonna take a look at the last seven days in football pick out the best news stories for you and of course your favorite presenters here at the bottom bins are going to have a nice debate about them um so look we hope you enjoy this new shorter shorter format um there's going to be at least uh three episodes a week um in this shorter format makes it easier for us to edit as well to be honest um so like i said hope you enjoy and as always keep it bottom bins keep it bottom bins <laughs>